This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Seemingly out of the blue a few days ago, President Trump took aim at e-commerce giant Amazon for a business relationship the company has with the U.S. Postal Service. Trump claimed that the relationship was costing the government agency, quote, a fortune, end quote, by delivering its packages at a reduced rate. The USPS in recent years has developed into a bigger delivery company, somewhat like FedEx or UPS, because of the dwindling number of letters that people send to each other and the lower levels of postage being purchased. But part of the issue is also having people in place at the USPS to make these decisions. The Board of Governors has not been filled out by the president, but several candidates are awaiting Senate confirmation. With more on this, we are joined on the phone by Dan Raff, who's an associate professor of management here at the Wharton School, and by Bill Black, associate professor of economics and law at the University of Missouri at Kansas City. Dan, Bill, as always, great to have you both back on the show. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank, uh, give us your reaction to, to all of this, Dan. I'll start with you. And obviously, uh, the, the, the conversation going forth really is, it looks like it's being pushed at Amazon because of this business relationship. But some people are wondering if it's, if it's even deeper than that. Well, I suppose the whole thing is really puzzling. Amazon doesn't own the Washington Post. Jeff Bezos, who is a uh, Bezos, I don't know how to pronounce his name properly, who's an extremely wealthy individual, uh, uh, owns the Washington Post. Um, the main point, it seems to me, is that the post office made a contract with Amazon. The post office has various sorts of fixed assets, which if it wants to improve its profitability, it wants to use more intensively. Um, and uh, Amazon came to it and said, what about using your trucks to deliver our stuff uh, on Sundays, as best as I can make out. And the post office uh, had some interest in this. I imagine um, both sides did uh, a bunch of costing and so forth. Proposals were made. Nobody twisted the arm of the post office to uh, agree to uh, make a contract with this particular, I presume, very large customer, but they uh, they seem to have thought it um, in their in their financial on good interest to do so, and so they did. Uh, one wonders, on the basis of what information uh, Trump is making the assertion about it costing the post office money, um, and if they are up at an operating loss in, in doing this. It seems to me the natural thing to do isn't to yell at Amazon, but to ask the post office yep. executives why they thought it was such a good idea to sign the contract. Bill, what's been your reaction to all of this? Well, sadly, it isn't out of the blue. Uh, we have reporting from uh, two uh, different uh, um, major uh, media uh, sources that Trump is absolutely obsessed uh, with the owner of the Washington Post, who also happens to be the owner of Amazon, though Amazon has absolutely no ownership of the Washington Post. So Trump is furious at the negative coverage and is using the power of the government to go after a political foe, which is, you know, straight out of crony capitalism uh, type stuff. Um, even Fox News, Shep Smith went through why he's 
completely wrong on uh, um, uh, the numbers that, uh, in fact, the Postal Service uh, is considerably less unprofitable uh, because of the uh, Amazon uh, contract. He's also gone after Amazon claiming that it doesn't uh, pay state and local taxes, which used to be true, but is overwhelmingly not true. By the way, it didn't pay federal taxes because of the Trump tax cut. Um, uh, And beyond that, he says that uh, Amazon is uh, causing the closure of brick and mortar, which, you know, from a real estate guy's perspective, you can understand they're big into uh, brick and mortar. But if you're going to go after folks who have been tubing brick and mortar, um, you would also, of course, go after Walmart, uh, which is very bad for lots of small local businesses. But uh, they, of course, are a political ally, so we're not going to hear any such thing uh, out of Trump. I suppose the the grain of truth in uh, a highly subsidiary part of what Trump is saying is and I guess it's it's a little scandalous that um, uh, Amazon uh, got away with avoiding state and local taxes for as long as it did. On no one know more about this than I do. And I gather the colorable, the merely colorable grounds that it didn't have a physical presence in a lot of states, which it didn't at one stage, though it does now. Um, and um, to the extent that 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 wasn't a proper outcome. They they were getting an implicit subsidy over um, locally local um, uh, presence uh, bricks and mortar operators. That's really nothing to do with this, with the, the core of this. So far as I can make out, it seems to me that the last time we had an American president who was in effect drawing up lists of enemies, it was Richard Nixon, um, and those were listeners with long enough memories will remember that that didn't end well. That's really not how the American system of government is supposed to work. Yeah, if you wanted to criticize him on the uh, state and local taxes, uh, Amazon, what you would presumably look at is what's about to happen. Amazon has, of course, created this massive national competition for the next headquarters. And most assuredly, it is looking for enormous concessions. But of course, that's absolutely normal uh, for American corporations. It's, um, you know, I teach public finance. It's probably not a very good thing uh, for the world, but it's an absolutely normal thing. And to single out uh, Amazon is weird. And it's politically going to be interesting because uh, you know, all these surveys are somewhat flaky, but Amazon has won uh, the, uh, you know, public view of uh, best counterparty, basically, uh, survey for, I think it's now 15 years straight. Uh, um, so people tend to like Amazon. There's an interesting angle um, in what Bill just said that may be worth ventilating also. I've read a certain amount of commentary in the press and online um, to the general effect that this uh, headquarters two stuff is um, just a way for um, Amazon to see whether it could uh, conceivably recite um, some of its activities um, uh, with a lot of subsidy from some set of state and local governments. I have been told that Amazon 
um, is hiring on the order of 30,000 uh, computer science slash programming uh, people a year. Uh, I have uh, uh, read um, in Seattle newspapers uh, lots of indications that the local housing market is in a state of extreme stress. Hmm. Um, and um, that I get the general impression from my friends who live in Seattle that it simply isn't going to be practical um, to, for um, uh, Amazon or any other local employers to be continuing to, to expand their local workforce at that um, uh, kind of rate. There just isn't, isn't any place for the people to live and isn't any prospect for a lot of new housing um, construction in the area or with uh, the, the present state of, of um, zoning. Uh, uh, regulations and approval processes and so forth. If that's all true, Amazon may well be trying to get the best possible deal sure. that subject to all the considerations that Bill was just talking about. But it may be that they urgently need um, to have more office space someplace because they, it's really not going to be practical to do it in Seattle. But again, Bill, I mean, when you're talking about the, the state of the post office, I mean, it's been well documented, and we've talked about it on this show, about some of the financial difficulties that they are going through uh, and uh, the problems that they are having in terms of funding the pensions of their, of their uh, former employees. And so you're talking about an organization which – it hasn't adjusted well enough to kind of the new dynamic that we see in the retail sector, even though they've kind of been on the on the outskirts of it. So, I mean, to a degree, as much as anything, this is a this is a call as to what has happened with the United States Postal Service in, in the last decade or so. And as I mentioned at the top, this issue uh, of the Board of Governors not even being filled out uh, going back, I guess, about three years now. Yeah, so uh, I actually used to practice postal law, yeah. bizarrely. Um, so I have a pretty long perspective on this. Um, yes, it has had troubles. And as you said, uh, the business has changed uh, enormously. First-class letters are a thing that uh, has gone down dramatically, and so they've had to change their operations considerably. Uh, they have been um, put at a special, indeed unique, disadvantage by Congress uh, in all of this, which um, rather than uh, fixing the pension problem, has in large part created a dynamic where it is um, absolutely certain that uh, the Postal uh, Service will report uh, that it's losing money, even though in its operations it's actually uh, making money, and right. compared to other companies that don't also reflect their pension costs in a way that accountants uh, would often prefer. Um, the Postal Service actually has changed its business model. Indeed, you said it in your introduction. Uh, now about 25% of their business is parcels, yeah. uh, and that has uh, added uh, to, again, uh, in, in an operational sense, that's where they're making their money 
uh, and uh, you know they are spreading their fixed costs. They're exceeding their variable costs considerably. This is a standard thing we teach in economics, uh, of course, about when you should be expanding an operation, and that's precisely what they're doing. So, yes, it's true there was a period the Postal Service was stuck in its old model, uh, but no, that changed about five years ago, and indeed what Trump is complaining about is part of the success Okay. Uh, of the model. New model. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call with your comments or questions. We are joined on the phone by Bill Black from the University of Missouri, Kansas City, Dan Raff from here at the Wharton School. Again, 844-942-7866. One of the other interesting pieces to this, Dan, is the fact that upon making these comments, there was an impact on Amazon on Wall Street, which is a little bit of a rarity from what I understand. Uh, obviously, we haven't had uh, a lot of presidents make these kind of comments. As you uh, mentioned, we kind of have to go back to, to Nixon uh, to, to see that firsthand. But uh, the impact uh, economically on Amazon by a president making those types of statements, how do you view that? Well, I think it is part of the miasma of uncertainty we are currently in about how the American system of government works. It used to be the case and used to be taken for granted, um, not just throughout the business world, um, but throughout the American government, that the senior-most parts of the executive branch, in particular the parts of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, um, were responsible for appointing um, the, um, the, the senior leadership of the Department of Justice. And if they had views, if, if the White House had views about antitrust enforcement, as they did, for example, during the Reagan administration, they put in uh, attorneys general uh, and sought to the appointment of, of um, the senior staff of the attorney general, um, people who took a you know University of Chicago uh, competition takes care of itself um, sort of view uh, of the enforcement of the antitrust laws. I mean, it's it's eminently within their realm of responsibility to choose the senior executives in the departments um, who take a similar view uh, of the world from them. But the way that the Department of Justice has historically operated. Um, given uh, who its senior staff is to be, is that they operate um, by their own best fights. They they owe their allegiance not to the White House, but to the body of statutory and case law um, of the United States of America. Um, And that's why um, Nixon and his enemies list was so anomalous. Uh, It's why um, um, these recent culminations Trump are so anomalous, um, but it's very unclear exactly how independent the senior leadership um, of the Justice Department is at the moment, um, and you know, it's, it's unsettling to people who think about that. It's very unsettling to people of both political parties, I should say, um, uh, who have worked in the senior reaches of the Justice Department. Um, very, very unsettling to local U.S. attorneys' offices, right. as I can make out. Um, and I think that the reaction on Wall Street just had to do with the fact that nobody's really quite sure whether um, the way we're used to having things work is still going to be so. Bill, your thoughts? Well, I was uh, 
a Justice Department attorney as well, uh, and uh, under both uh, Democratic and Republican uh, administrations, and it didn't matter um, in this sense. Uh, as my colleague just uh, explained, um, you uh, were an attorney for the United States of America, not for the president. The president uh, doesn't decide uh, who will be sued and not sued, who will be prosecuted and not prosecuted, because, again, that's the essence of crony capitalism. Um, that is an inherently corrupt process that's inherently, in particular, contrary to the spirit of the First Amendment, that the government isn't allowed to punish you uh, because uh, you oppose uh, a particular political uh, official. So uh, from both Republican and Democratic uh, perspectives, uh, this is a bad thing. Uh, this is something, um, at least in U.S. parlance, almost uniquely Trumpian. I agree that uh, Nixon had an enemies list and uh, used it, and I agree, indeed, that uh, Nixon always claimed uh, that he was uh, simply reprising and making more violent LBJ's uh, tactics. Uh, so it's not unprecedented, but to do it this openly... Uh, Nixon at least kept his enemies list secret. It, it, uh, go ahead, Dan. It may be worth adding that the, with the only exception I can think of, um, of the now Berkeley law professor John Yu, when he uh, worked in the um, uh, Office of Legal Counsel in the Justice Department and wrote the uh, now famous torture memos um, uh, during the um, administration of George W. Bush. With that sole exception, I'm finding it extremely difficult um, to think of a Justice Department official um, uh, acting in their official capacity and made me feel anything but proud to be an American. They, they take their independence and their responsibilities very seriously. And when the judge at the beginning of a trial basically asks who speaks for the United States of America, that's when the Justice Department attorney stands up and says, hey, your honor. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call with your comments or questions. I guess the question, Bill, then to ask off of that is, in the process of President Trump making these declarations against Amazon, uh, whether it be because of Amazon or because of the Washington Post, whatever, uh, is he doing anything illegal in that in that process? Um, no, uh, unless there were uh, substantial additional facts that right. we don't know, and you know, it's not a whole lot of sense uh, speculating about that. Obviously, right. if uh, um, he was doing this in uh, telling people in advance he was going to do it, and they were uh, shorting the stock, um, that the SEC has brought cases for that type of thing, but never uh, again uh, from any kind of senior government official, because again, as I just explained, senior U.S. government officials don't do this. Yeah. Well, then, what's the expectation then that we will we will see happen in your mind with this? I, I mean, is this uh, something that? Uh, will eventually kind of go away, or do you expect that that this will continue to be a a uh, a talking point by the president until either something is done by the USPS to change this, or some uh, some other event happens, Bill? Well, I don't think he's going to succeed uh, in his efforts. Uh, I think that uh, he's 
showing some degree of successful influence, uh, of course, on the Department of Justice that we've never seen before. Uh, that's you know led to uh, removal of uh, very senior, and I would note typically Republican officials yeah. uh, from the FBI and the Justice Department. But um, Amazon is a, a, a company with uh, substantial resources of its own. And uh, if Trump continues this and we're successful, he's, you know, the stock, as we've been talking, has been going down again. Um, it's just I, not to say it's still not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he they're, will. They're, they're um, still doing pretty good, good on yeah, that Amazon. Yes, and uh, he, um, by some estimates, uh, the uh, primary owner is the richest person in the world, and yeah. that's part of the, his, Trump's problem as well. Uh, he is going. He Trump, President Trump, is going to, if he persists in this kind of thing, um, really upset uh, the business community uh, as well, which is one of his natural allies. You would have thought, uh, particularly with the tax cuts and, and things like that. Um, and so I think ultimately uh, he's going to back off, um, declare victory and go home, and the Amazon stock will do pretty much whatever Amazon stock was going to have done anyway. Dan? It may be, it may be worth adding that um, to the extent you, you think that stock prices uh, reflect the the market's expectation of the future flow of profits from owning the company, rather than being uh, a more short-term speculative uh, investment. Um, it's, there's a lot about Amazon's future uh, that isn't entirely clear. Um, so it's, all, it's always, in the history of the company, it's been a poster child for something or other um, for a very long time. Um, and I wouldn't want um, to stand barebacked and bareheaded on the steps of St. Peter's, uh, claiming that the current price uh, really does reflect the sensible, expected, present discounted value of the future stream of, of profits. There may well be a, a speculative um, element um, to uh, the current price. It's like, surely been true at many moments in the history of Amazon's. Um, stock price. Um, so that if we look back uh, on some declines six months from now, um, it might well be about Trump. It might well just be about um, um, mutual funds getting a little nervous and thinking, yeah. well, maybe e-commerce is going to continue to be a, a big deal and getting to be a bigger and bigger deal, but maybe not quite such a, such a big deal as we thought. Um, it's it's always hard to tease these out uh, in the moment. Great having you both with us today. Dan, all the best to you. Bill, thank you as well. Greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you both. Dan Raff, Associate Professor of Management here at the Wharton School, and Bill Black, Associate Professor of Economics at, and Law at the University of Missouri at Kansas City. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.